0: Well, we're back to another episode of the Pig Wrestling Podcast. The Pig
1: Wrestling Podcast is powered by our wonderful sponsor Think Cloud, and it's available in the cloud.
0: Where's it available, Paul?
1: (laughs) The cloud I'm learning, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, to name but a few, and on our Pig Wrestling Podcast blog. The Pig Wrestling Podcast is based on a book by Pete Lindsay and Mark Bowden. It's a simple way to solve any problem and create change you need. Right, we're back. We've got an absolutely fantastic guest today. I'm really excited. Um, welcome, Damien.
2: Thanks very much, Paul. Great to be here.
1: Uh, nice to see you again, Joe. How are
3: you feeling about this week and the guest? Oh, very, very excited. And I really, I tried to do some research yesterday. I know you always do it, but I tried to do my own because I was so excited um, to, to meet Damien and to, to know a little bit about him. So I'm hoping that we'll learn more as we go along.
1: I oh, certainly will. And
3: Leon, what do you think about
1: all
0: the digging and all the stuff? I've been up all night. But Paul and Damien, we just mentioned this, he messages about half past three this morning, um, and <laughs> saying he's excited to have you on the show. And he does a bit. Of, he does a bit of research, as Paul, and he has found page upon page upon page upon page. Um, but what you? You are you going to go wild on this, Paul? What are you
1: going to do about it? No, I'm not. I, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna tell the viewers about it as we go along in the podcast because I just think it's inspiring and i think he's an inspiring person and the more i read about it the incredible things he's done so i'm gonna let damien um introduce himself and then we're gonna go straight into the questions with you
2: great so, um thanks for having me guys uh, my name is damien brown uh, i'm originally from the west coast of ireland a town called galway I was very lucky um, and privileged to come straight out of uh, secondary school into a professional rugby career, which I um, managed to survive in, uh, and I use that word um, very deliberately, uh, for 16 years. Um, I played uh, in two clubs here in Ireland, Connacht and Leinster, Played in France for six years in two clubs there called uh, Breve and Oyena, And I played in the UK um, with Northampton Saints for four years as well. Uh, And since I retired um, just over five years ago now, I've kind of um, very uh, purposeful and uh, life kind of a passion and a passion of mine in um, travel and adventure. And I have, um, I suppose, to use a label I have or the label I've, come up with is extreme adventure. I've done um, a few kind of very extreme uh, races around the world and feats around the world. And and that's the world I live in now.
0: And, and on that, on that, just to dig in before we get into the questions, Paul, I'm going to stop you before we go. Um, can we just define some of these extreme events? Because our viewers might not know who you are. So sure. let's, take, let's take the run, for example. When you say extreme, I would say... Yeah, I can't even explain it. But explain that one, please. Damien.
2: mean, so um, yeah, the first, the first kind of extreme event or challenge I took on after uh, rugby was a a race called the Marathon de Sable. So it's a um, it's an ultramarathon, a six day ultramarathon um, across the Sahara Desert, self supported. So basically, from this very start line on day one i have everything on my back to survive for the whole six days so all my food um all my clothing my bedding my cooking utensils uh and then there's stages every day so there was six stages and they ranged from uh the very last stage which is a charity stage which was only like 17 kilometers to a double marathon so stage four is 84 kilometers or 52 miles double marathon through the sahara desert where it got up to i think 45 or 46 degrees and that was uh, apparently that was a cool year um <laughs> so yeah that was the first one and the second thing i did the major um adventure was i rode solo and unsupported across the atlantic ocean in 63 days So again, I had Everton on a little boat, a seven meter boat, I had Everton I needed to survive for the duration of the challenge and the the crossing. So like I had a desalinator and I had 90 days worth of food and I had, you know, my navigation equipment, radios, radar, all that. So I was completely unsupported. The minute I left land, I didn't, well, I saw a couple of boats in that, but I basically didn't see another human for the whole uh, 63 days.
0: And, and Paul, I want to do so, before we get going as well, because I want to dig, because the whole idea of the podcast, Damien, is uh, shining light on mental health and, and you epitomise, um, you know, mental focus and agility. Um, but I also just want to pick up um, on this is um, before you did the ultra marathon in the Sahara Desert, how far had you had you run prior to that?
2: Um, (laughs) so I'm yeah not very far (laughs) I'd never done a marathon and my training accumulated in uh, the longest I ran without stopping in my training was like two kilometers (laughs) Uh, but I'm very uh, that was like so I'm, I'm I have a fascination with you know, peak performance and the human body. And that was just my way of preparing my body after 16 years of rugby to achieve what I wanted to achieve. So, you know, there's there's different ways of um, of building a volume, which you need and, you know, to um, to facilitate the body to um, endure these things. And that was the way I came up with to do it. So, um and it worked, you know, it worked, but it's very, very unusual and very unique way to do that.
3: <laughs> but it can't just be about the, the, phys- the, the, the physical side of it, it's the, the mental side. I, I, I can't even imagine where your mental state must be and, and where it must go to, and hopefully we'll find out more as we're talking through this podcast, mm-hmm. but... I've trained for a marathon. I've done a marathon, um, for, and and that for me was a huge thing. Um, I did it on the back of my sister-in-law dying of cancer. We decided to raise some money, and um, you know we we'd got pretty drunk at the wake, and and a couple of us decided that we was going to do a half marathon. I woke up the next day and thought, what? I can't run to the bus stop. I've always had problems breathing, um, and I thought, how am I going to be able to do this? I was fit, but I just couldn't run. Mm. and so started the journey but i I trained and I trained for the marathon and one marathon just felt like the world to me achieving that was just such a great achievement and mm. um, something that I didn't think I could ever do how how do you train your mind to be able to do two marathons ultra marathons mm. I, I just it just blows my mind even thinking about it
0: mm. Mm. Yeah. And, and the interesting, how many miles is the actual marathon in It's six marathons. It's six marathons over six days. It's, 257 kilometres.
2: Yeah. So 257 kilometres over the six days. And uh, the stages are always different. Every year they change the stages up, but um, the distances and the terrain and the, um, the track. But... Um, uh, there's always on stage four is always the long stage, and our year it just happened to be exactly a double marathon, which is fifty two point was it fifty 53 point, I don't know. It's 84.4 kilometers. Anyway, I'm not sure how many miles that is. Uh, 52.4, I think. And then there's always a marathon on day five. So that's always a marathon distance. But the terrain is quite varied. Like, so you could be going up mountains. You could be going across um, flat, soft sand. You could be going across like almost lunar type landscapes. You know, it's it's quite um, a strange um Terrain that you get to discover uh, going through the Sahara Desert.
3: So, how do you get your mind in that place, Damien? What?
2: Yeah. So, I have loads of tools um, that I use in my training, you know, so um, that you that I uh, come to rely on. But I think the the overriding, if I was to put an overview on it, is that you just you have to constantly um, stress uh, your body. Um, in training and once your body is under some sort of duress or stress your mind will be you know and it's just practicing certain tools then to bring yourself back into um, bring yourself back into the present moment so there's all sorts of things I use like I have um, a process called the four controllables like there's only four things I can control in uh, any moment and once I bring my concentration to them that just brings me back to the present moment where I can't be stressed or anxious because you know when you are under stress you when you are under duress your mind goes to places to make it stop you know so it brings you into like outcome orientation or you start thinking about the future and how much is uh, ahead how much kind of hardship you still have ahead even though you're already in a stress state that is just an um, a innate wiring inside us all that is just trying to make the stress stop for um, protectionary reasons or survival instincts. So it's just about having the self-esteem and then being able to bring your mind back into the present moment by concentrating something within your control. The four of those things are, the four of them that I've discovered that you know when I concentrate on them, um, they bring me back into that present moment state, and their position and technique. So, if we're talking about the um, the run across the Sahara, I'm thinking about like my body position and the technique of running or shuffling or hiking or walking, whatever I was doing at that moment, you know, and down to the, um, I'm talking down to really fine details of that, you know, so what's my lower back doing? Um, so then when I, when I say concentration, then there's all sorts of cues or there's two things I can do to help that concentration. I can have a cue. So if I'm thinking about body position, my cue might be, um, Uh, long spine. So I think about lengthening through my spine or um, what is my ankle doing? So another thing is questioning. So start asking myself questions about my technique, you know, and just checking in with my body and what it's doing and as if it's moving in the right patterning that I want, the most efficient patterning. So questioning is a great way to do that. And what you're doing then is just bringing your concentration to uh, that point of your body and checking in. So it's almost like a a body scan in uh, mindfulness, but it's, um, it's done in a very stressed state which is not exactly easy to do. Um, so that's the first one. The second one is effort. Effort is always within your control. How much effort am I pushing through? So if I talk about the row, you know, I'd be thinking about how much effort am I putting through in my stroke, how much effort am I putting through my left quad, my right quad? Am I, am I loading up my hips? Am I powering out to the best of my ability? And no matter how much stress you're under, that is always within your control. If you have the capacities to bring your mind to that position or to that uh, area. Um, and just by doing that, that just brings you back into the the very moment, the present moment. And again, that is all you can control, you know, and when you do that, when you bring your mind into that place, um, you're in a much more neutral um, uh, mental state, you know. So you're not pressurized, you're not in stress, you're not anxious, mm-hmm. uh, and that's things with these four controllables. Um, and the other two are breath. Your breath is always within your control um so first i like to think about bringing my awareness to it and then i ask myself certain questions around my breath so is it shallow is it deep is it mouth mouth is it mouth nasal is it nasal nasal um with the intention and aim of always bringing it back to nasal nasal because that is the most um calm state for our breath and again it's just about concentrating on the finest details so of the breath and the technique and the process of breathing so you know some things i'd be thinking around that are like uh feeling the hairs on the um uh, on the bottom of my nostrils feeling the air as i suck it in uh filling my lungs fully on the inhale and exhaling fully And just again, it's just about that concentration and bringing yourself back to something that's within your control and within the present moment. Or sorry, that brings you back to the present moment. And all those cues and all those little questions really help that process. And then the last one of the four controllables is um, self talk. So what am I saying to myself in this moment? Uh, Am I aware of it? Um, Am I like, am I feeding? a positive message to myself or am i feeding a negative message am i i've been hard on myself am i doing myself any favors around what i'm saying to myself and you know again that can be uh changed and it's just having um processes around that like mental processes so one i really like around that is to, if you are if you notice or you're aware that you're being negative you got to cut that self-talk you know so you need to have a phrase so you need to have something that's really blunt and really um, um, to the point and harsh with yourself. So you need to cut that negative self-talk, and then you got to reaffirm it with some positive self-talk and some positive imagery and connecting with the emotions of that positive imagery. And before you know it, you know your your state is um, completely changed, um, and and that one I would say brings you back into a much more positive. Mindset. Whereas the other ones are quite neutral. Uh, that one brings you back into a more positive place because you're playing with certain emotions, you know, and, and feeling them and are using them and feeling them. And then um, they kind of are in a more positive place. So, yeah, so a long answer to your question, Joe. I'm sorry, but, um, yeah, that's where I'm at with that sort of... Uh, that's that was the answer to
0: the question. Hmm. I I, and I thought, I thought Joe, we'd, we'd kick off straight with that because... I thought we just need to set the scene, you know, um, and, and and really go with that. So we're going to learn more though, because um, there's loads of stuff out there, Damien, I about all your achievements. But the podcast is really about getting under your skin and trying and finding out what makes you tick. Um, sure. So we're gonna we're gonna switch it and we're gonna start asking some of, some some of our favourite questions, aren't we, Joe? So do you want to want to kick off, Joe?
3: Yeah, please. So. What are one to three
2: books that have greatly changed or influenced your life? So I wasn't, I wasn't much of a, um, a schoolboy. I wasn't very, um, I wasn't very, I would say driven as a schoolboy. Um, and I never really, uh, got into reading books until I came out of school. And, um, my mother had a bookshelf uh, full of books, obviously, And one, I don't know what motivated me, but to pick up, but I picked up Misery by um, Stephen King and that story and storytelling and whatever it did to me, just ignited a flame. (laughs) And I've never really put down books since then. Um, You know, I've, I've been reading ever since and uh, yeah, just whatever was in that book. uh, And uh, like I said, uh, the storytelling, whatever it kind of, um, gave me really ignited something you know there's certain things in my life that uh, i found that i know i will do until the day i die Uh, and reading as one of them you know i I think it just um on a very kind of person on a very deep level it just it seems to um be it seems to say to me that it's it's something very right to do and um yeah so misery was um Misery, believe it or not, (laughs) one of my books. And then um, there's one other book that I love and actually hits on a lot of the stuff that I just talked about or some of it anyway. And it's called um, it's called it's it's by a guy called Captain Mark Devine. He's an ex Navy SEAL and it's called uh, Unbeatable. And uh, he uh, was obviously a Navy SEAL and um, he has cracked or he has kind of started a, um, a business off the back of coming out of the SEALs called SEAL Fish, where he started to train people to prepare for uh, Hell Week. You remember, you know, Hell Week in the SEALs where they go oh, to- yeah six or seven days of, you know, I think they get about four hours sleep in six or seven days and it's just, you know, it's survival of the fittest. So he started to train people and then he realized that there was actually an appetite in the general population to go through that type of training. Uh, And he's pushed it out there for them. And he's kind of in this book, he's um, brought in a lot of um, he's kind of demystified a lot of, um, you know, uh, processes and why we um, endure um, through uh, hardship. And, um, yeah, I've, I found that incredibly beneficial uh, to put language around what I do and to try and um, articulate it better. So that's um, that is one I, you know, it's one of those books I, I go back to all the time and I'll read a chapter. Or I'll read a little bit about whatever emotional intelligence or something like that. Um, and I find a I find great book, Unbeatable Mind.
0: Any, it just cut out for a second unbeatable mind
2: yes unbeatable mind yeah
0: well yeah. I, I think we've all written that down haven't we yeah yes <laughs> yeah. no absolutely love that and um was it was it another one you mentioned there was it was it was main 2 just 2 yeah,
2: just yeah, two, yeah. And
0: i had a little question on this though because obviously being on a boat for 60 was it 63 days yeah, yeah. Um, in
2: isolation, did you take a book with you? No books. I no book. <laughs> there's a funny story around that actually. I took, um, so in the like the last week running up to the uh leaving, um, I started uh, buying audiobooks because I really like a book, you know, the actual um, the book, i kind of, the feel of a book, the smell of a book. Um, but I never bought an audiobook before, but obviously, for um. The Atlantic. It's preferable, so I I spent about 400 euro on audiobooks and uh, I took off anyway. And I think it was around day four. I said oh, I'll put on my first audio, and, and uh, there was a speaker system on the boat, and I went in. I put the I put the phone on there's, uh, into the um, USB and went outside. Started rowing, and I my heart dropped. Cause I realized you couldn't hear the narration of the audiobook over the wind.
3: <laughs> oh. I read this last night and I thought you must have been gutted. The, oh. one, the one pleasurable thing and it was taken away by the, you know, the environment that you was in. That must have been oh. so hard.
2: I know. So the, like, like, I, I then, the next thing was I'd try it. Maybe it's just that audiobook. So I tried another one and it was the same thing. You just couldn't hear the voices uh, over the wind. It was just too strong. So I think if I th- eventually over the course of the whole crossing, I listened to one as I just put the phone beside my head as I was falling asleep. But uh, that was about it. So it was a bit of a waste of 400 euro. Uh, Are <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> you still got them now.
2: I still have them, yeah. Still have them. Have you listened to them? No.
0: that takes me nicely on to the next question um what is your feel-good song um or music that makes you focused um or makes you happy and you might have a couple of different songs around that um it'd be quite interesting to maybe understand what music what 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 music
2: plays a part in your sort of life yeah i so there's there's a couple that come to mind um Mm. The first one, so I, I like kind of upbeat, um, you know, something that's quite energetic, positive. So there's one song um, called uh, One Day Like This by Elbow.
3: <gasps>
2: oh. I absolutely love It's kind of go to like it's in most of my gym playlists and it just, you know, it's a uh, one of those, it gives a pulse through me, you know, that once it comes on, it just, it, it does something different to other songs, which I really like. Um, and the other one, <laughs> the other one that pops into my head is um, I'm going to bring this back to the, and the reason why it pops into my head, it was a very special moment in the middle of the um, desert on, during the Mountain de Sable, where I actually did have headphones on this um, adventure. And during the long stage, the 84 kilometer stage, um, you go through the night, unless you're like superhuman and you can run the whole thing in like 12 hours. So you go through the night, you know, and I remember coming down through this valley. So we're up on a big dune and coming down into this valley and just looking at more stars than I'd ever seen in my life. Um, and I could see everyone put a glow stick on their backpack. So it's easier for everyone to navigate, you know, so I can see a kind of trail of people in the distance for a mile with these glow sticks. So I saw this trail of glow sticks, you know, and I had a full like 180 of stars, like just billions of stars. Um, and then the B-52s came on, Love Shack. Oh. <laughs> I never forget that moment as long as I live. It just was a phenomenal moment for me and that that song every time i hear it brings me back there um you know it's it's uh yeah it was part of a very kind of special it it added to a very special moment wow. it's amazing
0: to be in the middle of a desert love shack i've just got this image love shack <laughs> <laughs> right then
1: we know we know damien spent 400 pound on audio books um while he was rowing, but what purchase of £50 or less has most positively impacted your life in the last six months?
2: I think um, myself and my girlfriend, um, we're we're big coffee lovers. And uh, during lockdown, obviously, we had no access to our local coffee shop. So we started buying um, beans, ground beans, uh, but we, uh, we had only got this little, uh, we use a maca pot, um, but we'd only got a maca pot for one, uh, which is like a little steel kind of, um, Italian, uh, little pot. So, um, we recently purchased one that does two cups <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it's made a, it's made a huge difference, um, to our lives anyway, for our morning coffees, which is an important part of our day to get us started.
3: I think coffee seems to be a theme today, doesn't it? We have had our previous guest; that was her. One of her things was um, coffee. Right.
2: So yeah.
3: She bought herself something to do with coffee, and um, so it seems to be a it seems to be a theme today. Um, so I'll carry on drinking mine. Yeah. Go <laughs> okay. So, do you have a lesson um, from a failure of yours?
2: Sorry, could you repeat that? I'm just cut out there.
3: Do you have a lesson from a failure of yours?
2: after i um after i came off the atlantic i um so i took a little bit of time off i stayed i i arrived into the caribbean and i traveled around the caribbean for a little while but i felt a little bit of um uh, mistakenly i felt some pressure to kind of back that up you know back that adventure up with another one so um i had decided to go to i really wanted to travel through iran and I decided to um, do um, couch surfing through Iran, which is like, a way. Um, it's a website where you get to stay with locals. And, um, you know, I want to, I love travel as raw as you can make it like. So, you know, basically the kind of cheap, way to travel around the country so uh, and to stay I feel it gives you a really good uh, insight into the daily lives of people in that country and, and you know what that looks like so so that was my goal but then at the end I thought oh, I'll go and I'll try and climb the highest mountain in Iran which is a mount, mountain called Demavand, which is particularly high actually it's nearly 6,000 meters um, but I was not prepared in any way to go climbing a 6,000 meter um, mountain you know I just it was like I just I hadn't you know I hadn't really um committed properly to taking on that challenge I'd kind of done it for the wrong reasoning and I went and I tried and I failed I failed badly um and I just remember feeling really really like shit about that because I just hadn't given myself the best opportunity to do it you know it was it was all for the wrong reasons you know Mm -hmm. if I If I I reflect honestly on it, I should have, uh, you know, I should have properly committed to it and put in a training plan and prepared to achieve. And then if I'd failed, fine, you know, I can take that. But, like, when you're motivated by kind of uh, unhealthy reasoning or, like, you know, just, you know... um, uh when it's not really uh for you first and foremost, if it's more for um others, I think that's just um a poor foundation to work off and that's what I gave myself instead of being um you know uh, a little bit more I, I could say selfish, I'm not sure it's the right word, but you know, a little bit more um personal and committed from the start and then gone after it.
1: I don't know whether you know, but one of our co-presenters has done Kilimanjaro. I think you've, you've heard of it yourself, that little ill. That little ill that he talks about. Um, and
0: Leon, you did hours of prep, didn't you? Or was it minutes? No, I had uh, talked to Damien on this. Yeah. I don't know if I shared the story fully, but um, I just had loads of stuff going on in business and loads of problems and loads of challenges. And um I've done the research, though, and I realised that I aren't going to be the fastest at this mountain, but when I started doing my research and I like to analyse stuff, I'd realised that what they actually said was you need to have a general level of fitness, nothing major, but general level of fitness, look after your feet. But the biggest thing climbing Kilimanjaro was um, the longer you stayed on the mountain, um, the better you were climatised. I remember um, a Swahili saying, which is... Um, Polly Polly, which means slowly, slowly. So I'm thinking I've just, I can't train. I've got all this stuff going on, but what I can do is I can definitely be the slowest up the mountain. Right. So I can definitely achieve that. So I went over and Paul laughed at this. My only goal I had, because I just have no time was I put my boots on, on the plane for the first time. Oh. First time ever put yeah. Um, I was fit though. Generally fit. I'd been doing like interval sprints and little things like that. So I was generally fit. And I just had a vision of going up the mountain every morning and I used to meditate. And when I'd get up, one of my, my one goal every morning was getting my guide to say to me, come on Leon, you need to go faster, faster, not slowly, slowly. And I always thought if I was getting told I need to go faster up the mountain, I was definitely going at the right pace. Um, and I got up it and 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 achieved it. Um, but I'm a big fan like that of, you know, yours is a different level for me, but I'm a big believer exactly like you are is whatever the man believes it can 100% achieve. Um, and it's about preparing our man for that that moment and, and just it being like you mentioned, Then I love the way you explained at the beginning about positioning effort, breath, self-talk technique, you know, um, on a, on a minute level, you know, I did that going up the mountain and, and, and the interesting thing, lessons I learned on that is, those guys who was miles more fit than me, hugely more fit than me. But a couple of them didn't make it up the mountain. They didn't make the yeah. last part because they, they failed because they got, they started getting anxious, anxiety. They didn't know how to control the breathing. I'm sat there, the fat lad just meditating, just being present at one with the mountain, you know, and I got up there and I just loved it. So I think for me, ever since that journey, like, um, and why I'm so excited getting you on the show is. When you discover the power of what your mind actually truly has, um, there is just no stopping it. And you epitomize that in, in every other way. So is that, have you answered that for you there, Paul? He has. He has. And you have clapped um, Which one? Is it my next one? It's my next one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I am going to ask actually one other question on failure, though, around the with Damien, because I don't know if you guys know this. Um, so you rode across the... the, the it, in, in this in this little boat, didn't you? You know, in a little pond, as Paul would say, right? Yeah. Um, did anyone know about, did, did explain to us about, um, are you a good swimmer, David? No, I can't swim, no. You can't swim? No. Have you explained that? To, to, does anyone want to explore that? So explain, that. and it's quite famous in Ireland. There's a little village where some of the fishermen don't swim as well, are not they? Um, yeah. But explain to us, so do you get this, Joe, what I'm, where I'm going here is? <laughs> I
3: th- they came out of the boat twice, didn't you? Yeah,
0: You yeah. can't swim. Yeah, uh,
3: would it have, would it have mattered actually no. in the grand scheme of things out there? With the no. <laughs>
2: so, yeah, I think you know, I I always say this, um, I, like I wasn't planning on swimming, you know, um, and that. Really <laughs> there's there's a lot to that statement, if you get me, like because. Um, that meant that I had like taught a lot about how do I, what might happen, how might I go in the water, what might happen if I do, you know? So there was a whole lot of work done behind that. And then I was kind of almost, you know, boxed off. And then it was just been really, really vigilant and diligent in how I moved around the boat. And, you know, I always wore a harness and I I was always clipped into the boat. Because as long as you have one point of contact with that boat um, you know you should be fine like that that boat is literally be chopped in half and both parts of it will float you know so and that's your lifeline that's where Everton is and if you are separated more than likely depending on the conditions but you know very high likelihood that the boat's going to go one way and you're going to go the other so you know even if you are Michael Phelps the chances of you catching that boat are very 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 slim um so, yeah, like I had a, so much to learn. Like I had no maritime background. I had no idea about ocean rowing. All I knew about was training my body and my mind to uh, withstand and, and endure. So I had a hell of a lot. So I had to prioritize stuff. And swimming, believe it or not, even though it sounds strange to people, it wasn't something I could prioritize learning. You know, I just had so many more important things. I you with that
0: statement.
3: I love that. But do you think not swimming actually saved your life, Damien? Because she did come out of the boat, didn't you? A couple of times, and and you'd, you'd done that practice, hadn't you, about holding on, holding to the boat? And that's, you know, it, it, it sort of described it, kind of flipping over and taking you back with it. So, do you think actually, ultimately, it's not not being able to swim was was a bit of a lifesaver because she practiced a different technique that well. Yeah.
2: I think it like it just like when your intention is just to explore life and it's not, I don't have any debt wish. So I didn't go out there to have any debt wish. So when that intention with that intention you take absolute responsibility for everything and like I'm just thinking, I, I no debt wish here. I just wanna have the most incredible experience ever. What do I do to make sure I get to the other side? So when you take that full responsibility and you Churn through every possible outcome and scenario. You are preparing your mind for them, you know. So that's what I did. And I visualized to the finest detail what, well, how, how do these boats, um, how do these boats capsize? What sort of weather? What's that going to look like? What? How am I going to act? What am I going to do? What am I going to think about if I go into the water? How calm am I going to be? And I practiced everything. I used to go into the beach near me uh, and just walk up to my chest and just plunge into the water and in the fetal position and, and practice being calm underwater. Uh, I I visualized grabbing the side of the boat, um, the jack stays, they Visualize that down to the finest detail and what I would think about just I used to say to myself squeeze your grip squeeze your grip because if you squeeze your grip hard enough you will not lose contact with that boat you will always have one contact and that's what actually came to fruition when I did get thrown over on the second capsize and I went in the water I hung on to the boat with one hand uh, just saying that one thing I had absolute clarity and serenity in my thoughts even though I should have been in chaos right and panic I was just able to grab on and go under the water 180 degrees. And I just kept saying to myself, really calmly, really calmly, still surprises me to this day that I was able to do. And I was just going, squeeze your grip, squeeze your grip, squeeze your grip. And eventually the boat self-righted and kind of catapulted me onto the deck. And um, yeah, so like to come back to answer your question, it just, you know, taking that full responsibility for Everton and, you know, maybe like you said, not... Having to do that because um, I couldn't swim, it probably did save my life, yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: Absolutely fantastic. And, right and on, I'm going to, you know, but I, I like the other one before I got so on failure with Damien, because so much It's that failure, was just, he just took away. Failure was not an option. It was just not, not an option. option. So I love that. Love that. Um, so next question, um, what is a favorite quote or saying that if you could share with everyone in the world, what is it and why?
2: There's a so in my cabin, actually on the boat, I had like a load of different um quotes or sayings that like resonate with me, and I think they're I had them there just for perspective because I knew I was going to be on such a, a roller coaster emotionally and, and some of them would help at different times, but there was one, it was the one that took pride of place. It was right over the cabin door. So every day it was there in my face um, when I went out and came in and it was a Bruce Lee quote. And it said, uh, don't pray for an easy life, pray for the strength to endure a difficult one. And (laughs) uh, it's making me emotional now even thinking about it. Um, Yeah. And I just, I just absolutely adore that quote, you know, because I think, um, the st- we're fed these stories that um, or there's a narrative out there that you know we shouldn't we should be afraid of difficulty we should be afraid of stress hardship we should be afraid of we should avoid any sort of struggle we should avoid any um, difficult situations because that's going to make things easier where it's the exact opposite it's you should embrace that sort of stuff all the time on different levels because that's by embracing that stress and hardship and difficulty and challenge, that's what's going to make life easier. And I think that's what he was trying to say there. And I, you know, the way I've kind of, I live my life and it, it does make every single split second of every day easier.
1: Damien, I've got, I've, through Leon, um, last year, I think it was beginning of 2019, I've got a whiteboard in my garage that I put my goals on, and um, and I didn't look at it for another year. And I looked at my goals, and I'd I'd smashed quite a lot of them—not all of them, but most of them. And watching you on Instagram, um, you've got a whiteboard. Can you in your pain cave? Can you explain <laughs> that to us? Because I might have to change what's on mine to copy. I yours. I love, I love Damien's
0: whiteboard.
2: <laughs> um, so. so. I, yeah i um i use it for a, a few, so my i in my garage i have a gym basically that i've well just during covid really i've really kind of um finished off and put together and and um i used to i used to go to the gym like my the local gym and i'd have a notebook and in the notebook i have lots of stuff that have come up during trainings or you know beliefs or philosophies or cues or insights uh, and cuz i stopped using that notebook so much i started you know cuz it was now i was working out training out of my gym i just started um i i i noticed i wasn't reading the um what the three or four pages of those notes that really helped me get into the zone to train so what i did is i bought a whiteboard and then i just started jotting down one of them maybe before each session not all the time but just if i felt like i needed a bit of direction or a little bit of um I suppose added motivation Uh, and that's what I do. I just put down a little mindset cue or, you know, it might be something really technical I'm focused on for that training and I just write it down and it just, you know, it keeps at the front of my awareness, which, you know, is only going to help with getting the most out of the training session or, you know, or, my awareness if it's a mindset thing before the training which you know it just helps me get the imagery around what i want to do in training and then really you know it's just about it's just helping me get the most out of my um that hour or hour and a half or two hours or whatever it is that's what i find everything's everything good in my life stems from the quality of that hour or two hours so so that's why i want to get the most out of that hour and that's where that little whiteboard helps you know and then i just started sharing it out there and sharing it on my uh, feed and uh, on Instagram and people started to kind of, um, yeah, um, like it, I suppose.
3: I love it. I love it.
1: Right. Next
3: oh, question. Can I just go back to that quote? Sorry. Because no. I think it's, um I, I love the quote that you came out with. And I think that would be, for me, that'd be really important for, for young people to hear in terms of that resilience and, and, and you know, building themselves up to to take the knocks in life i think that that quote really um has a real place in in schools and and with young people and um, to embrace those difficult times because it doesn't matter who you are what background you come from what kind of money you've got we all face difficulties in our lives and i i I can see so many people that get so stressed when they, get, when they, when they come up against those difficulties and, and sometimes don't have that mindset to be able to navigate themselves around that problem, but actually thinking about it in a very different way, tipping it upside down and kind of embracing those difficulties and stress, I think would put so many people in a very different position um, and I think it would build up that kind of resilience and, and you know, it's certainly one that I'm going to pass on to my son i gonna kind of write that down for him and I could just see it having its place in gyms and, but in schools as well across mm. the country really it's, yeah, it,
2: uh, it's just a simple reframing isn't it of like yeah. instead of thinking about this as hard just know that like if I get through this this difficulty is just going to aid me and this journey through it is just going to help me so much in, in the longer journey yeah
3: yeah, and we hear that so many times on these podcasts. You know, we talk about the failures constantly. Mm. And actually, those failures have, have more often than not put people into really su- successful um, parts of their life, positions, whatever it might be, but they've gone on for to, to have success from those failures. And again, we, we don't celebrate that enough. We just, you know, people look at um, failures as a negative. It's a bad thing. But actually, it really isn't. It often makes us much better people and, and much better at whatever it is that we're doing. Um, so I'm going to take that away from today, actually, and see what I can what I can do with that in terms of messages. Mm, I like
1: it. I like it. Absolutely brilliant. Right. knowing Oh no. In the last five years, what new habit or belief has had the most profound effect on your life, Damien?
2: Um. So I'm I'm from the west coast of Ireland here. So I, I literally grew up like 10 minutes from the sea. Um, but I, I moved away. Like I played rugby in, you know, in Dublin, in the UK, in France. And I lived in France for a little bit afterwards. But I kind of, I suppose I've been back here now about three years. And um, I've been regularly uh, getting into the sea um so much so that I um, I did two winters now. I've gone through two winters fully uh, getting into the sea. And I even started a bit of a, um, a thing in February that I called Freesbury, where um, people have joined me on my social media. And every day we get in every day of February, we get into the sea uh, starting with one minute on the first of February, and we add a minute every day. So this year been a leap year, we ended up twenty-nine minutes in um, the water in in Ireland. In um, yeah, for uh, for yeah, like on the 29th of February. So um,
0: we're going to join you in that, Paul, that way, and, and jo- in the Humber from February. That's it. Yeah, we're in it. a chance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, where would we get in in the Humber leave <laughs> <laughs> logistics to me
3: we'll run to Hansi, then we'll do it and then run back <laughs> yeah
0: there you go
2: but um yeah no, that has just been um a phenomenal uh resource to have on on my doorstep and just to kind of discover rediscover I suppose and discover its power in particular through the winter when it gets down to you know 5 6 degrees and um you know it kind of comes back to what you were talking about there joe it's like <gasps> it's just you know every day like there's no day that your body is not going to be and your mind not going to be looking for a way around that and it's just facing up to that challenge every day and finding a way through it and all that just the simple things like even the confidence of overcoming it every day because it's never easy it's not easy now in june or july Um, so you can imagine what it's like in February when the wind is howling and it's snowing and it's just, it's four degrees outside and you're like, I have to get in there for 15 minutes today and it's a storm. Um, but it has just been revolutionary. I mean, physically it's great for the body, but mentally I've never, there's, there's rarely, there's not many stuff I've come across that is as good for it mentally. It's just, you could go in there with like a bear with a sore head and, you know, five minutes later you'll come out and it'll be all of disappeared. (laughs) You'll just be a different person. It's phenomenal. Um
0: Paul, we're on it. We're on it, guys. It's in my has got in my list. It's in my book. Are we doing it? In? Are we gonna do it? It's not an option. It's not an option. <laughs> okay. so you one one one
3: afterwards, a big curly blanket. There you go.
0: Yeah, there you go, of course we can.
3: <laughs> okay, you're on. Joe, your next question quick. Yeah, I know. What am I getting myself? I've usually had a drink when I get set up with these kind of things. What am I doing? Okay. So knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to yourself at 18? And what advice would you have ignored?
2: I would advise myself to um, listen to my gut instinct, uh, my intuition or whatever you want to call it, internal compass Uh, Or learn learn to listen to it and learn to listen to it quicker than I probably did Um, now what does that mean it means you have to um, trial and error stuff so like you know our our guts always pointing us in the right way and we have an amazing ability to reject its um, pointing so I would just I would advise myself to give it a chance and listen to it uh, and um, and then be honest uh, about kind of the, the feedback around what it's given you by listening to it, you know. And I think the reason I say that is because I think the sooner you can build that relationship and the stronger you can build that relationship, the better um, your life is going to be uh, without being too grandiose about it. But I, I really feel that we're way too quick to dismiss our gut and our internal compass um, because of whatever social pressures or um, certain like the kind of engineered life that is out there. So, um, yeah, so that would be my um, advice to myself. And the advice I would, um, was it avoid or? Um,
3: yeah, Yeah.
2: I would ignore uh, anyone who... Um, tells me um what i'm going to achieve from what they see from the outside um what i it, if i explain that a bit better it's like i remember when i was playing rugby and uh i used to get as a young man i used to get told quite uh, regularly oh you'll play for ireland don't worry about it you know oh you'll get there eventually and i feel that was disempowering looking back i no, i'm not i'm not like I take full responsibility for, you know, what I achieved and I achieved what I deserve to achieve. But I feel that's advice I would ignore much quicker now because it's it sucks that you need a certain level. And I'm almost going to call it desperation to really achieve great things. And I feel listening to that advice sucks that edge that you really need to push on through really difficult times and search out, you know, uh, modes and, and avenues to get to where you want to get to. Um, so, yeah, that would be something I would, um, I would tell myself to ignore.
3: I, I Picking up on the gut one, I, um, it's not very often that people t- talk about the gut feelings or it's not something that I hear and it's not common kind of conversations. Um, but for me, working in the field that I work in especially when I was a young man you know working in mental health in the in the acute hospitals when I was very young um, my guts kicked in at, at quite a young age and it's something that I've always listened to mm-hmm. um, even more so now I think because I'm really I'm, I'm in tune with them and I, I know that the guide may right mm-hmm. so I always sort of say that maybe I'm not the most intelligent of people um I'm not the most articulate but I do have guts feelings and i think they've 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 served me well and i think for people to be in tune with their guts and um, they'll often won't go far wrong and and it, it's not something that you hear people talking about
0: i think um I think, I think i've been reading a few books recently um around this intuition your gut your feeling um and i i was reading this this book and I remember um, I was having a bit of a difficult situation. So, you know, when I exited one career and decided to go into technology and I always remember reading this book and, um, it said, children always know the right thing to do, right? With the gut cause they used to being inquisitive and they're playing nice the of it. And, and I basically said to my children, if you was in this situation and someone won't be nice to you in this situation. What would you do? And that was ba- I basically simplified the situation for him, What I was in, mm. my brain had made it far more complicated than what it needed yeah. to be.
2: Yeah.
0: And they just said to me, "Well, Daddy, I won't play with them. I'd go find myself some new friends. I'd go do right." Our intuition, our in- intuition, I believe, is beaten out of us. Um, yeah. We always know, and when we get present, the answers are always inside of us. But it's yeah. just. Getting out of this noisy world, and what I've taken from today is, I love the way Damien, you get present. Um, one of the hardest things to get present, and that's when you can get that inner intuition in it. I think. Um, I think we need to speak more about intuition. Um,
3: yeah, I I I, I agree. I, I think it's really strong, and it's um, it serves a lot of people very what well. You,
0: what would you say on that? Um, in terms of, on your journey, um, Damien. You know, because obviously there's got to be a lot of you know. Isolation um, for yourself. There's going to be a lot of you know, have only yourself to talk to, is not they?
2: Yeah, like I, I, I definitely clued into mine, um, despite my gut instinct, despite uh, all the resistance that is created around that. You know, I, I eventually learned by just pursuing um, certain little avenues that it told me to go, and then by. The feedback, as Joe said, or the the rewards from doing that, just strengthen that relationship. So now, where it's at a point where it's like, I mean, it is just iron iron strong. But like, it wasn't always like that, right? But I, I had to um, I had to trial and error it, and then listen to my gosh, or my sorry, listen to the the feedback, the internal feedback around that, and that's how you build that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, the better, I think the happier you're going to be um, or the more content is probably a better word that you're going to be because I, I just, I've never followed it and had a um, negative uh, outcome. I've never, it just, it doesn't happen. So so yeah, I think, you know, give it a chance and, you know, explore it and, uh, and see how it works out for you.
0: Love that, absolutely love that. Right, and we're to the next one. So we all at times feel bent out, unfocused, unenergized, overwhelmed. And um, what do you do? Um, and if helpful, you know what sort of questions do you ask yourself?
2: This might hit a little bit on uh, the point about getting in the sea, but yeah, I think uh, that's a huge one for me. So getting in the sea, there's two op, there's two answers to this really. It's getting in the sea or it is um, training. It's doing something um, that is going to almost clear the crap, you know, so pushing my mind to a very singular focus of nearly survival. So it's getting in the really cold sea uh, for whatever 10, 15 minutes. That's not the point. It's just getting in and enduring that first five minutes where your body is just repelling against you in every cell, like get out, get out, get out, get out, get out overcoming that or it's it's a certain type of training i will go in and you know i'll just i'll just try to kind of get some um clarity by focusing on on uh, like almost using training as a reset to kind of get rid of the you know whatever it might be the brain fog or um you know confusion or anything like that so um, I find those things really help me declutter, you know, mentally declutter my mind and, and kind of get back to what's important for me on a, on a very kind of um, individual, kind of almost selfish thing. And then I can rebuild from there. You know, I can, I can kind of, I can, um, I can, that's my foundation and I move off that. Love that. Love that.
0: Love that. And I think also well on that, I think you did a real great point at the beginning around, the four controllables, and I think that links really nicely into that question as well. Um, the way you 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 bring that question in, that reasoning in to, to obviously bring yourself back present. Um so absolutely love that answer. Thanks, Darren. Right then. Um who
1: in the world would you like to interview, past or present, and why? It's
2: <laughs> a great question. I I always admired, and I still do, I must say, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) (laughs) I just think what he achieved uh, with his life is, it's almost like, I mean, how is it even possible to, you know, from a young, if you think about it, like a young Austrian kid to become, you know, movie star governor of california he probably would have been if he was born in america he probably would have been president at, at this stage so uh and the wide ranging you know obviously he's businessman but his his charity efforts um with special olympics and that is is you know um, quite phenomenal so um he's somebody who um I, I, you know, I've read a couple of. Uh, well, I've read a, definitely a biography. I don't know if he's ever done an actual autobiography, but I've definitely read a couple of biographies on him, and he's someone that, you know, fascinates me and just in how he's kind of achieved what he's achieved. So, um, he's one guy. Um, he's one guy. I think I would be interested in chatting to. Another one that comes into my mind. is a guy. Um, he's a guy who kind of inspired me. Um, coming out of professional sport and going down the uh, adventure route is uh, James Cracknell, the British Olympian, you know, so he, like, for example, he was obviously Olympian rower, and he, um, he ran the mountain in this, he rode across the Atlantic with um, Ben Fogle and he's done loads of other stuff in this sphere and he's constantly pushing his body, um, you know, for more and uh, and yeah, he'd be a guy I'd be interested in kind of sitting down and having a conversation with as well. I like I like them. You're 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 not the first person to speak
1: about Arnold Schwarzenegger. A couple of them have read the books, and so I'm gonna have to read it because he seems like an inspirational person, and it's not somebody I'd thought about before. But
0: I'm actually gonna get his books. I need to read oh, them. Yeah. I don't know if – one of my favourite quotes is by um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He says, um, if you want to be a true original or a true maverick, you've got to think outside the box. And he sort of says um, – and you can't be – what is it? You don't have to be too well-behaved. You've got to break the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love that. You've got to break the rules and think outside the box. And it's a motivational audio I have. I've had it for years. It's him just saying that quote, and at times it just sort of um, – it just gets me through so much pain at times thinking that, like, yeah. And, and I don't mean, as long as, what well, what well, I remember that talk right on Paul, was that, that guy was like the magician. Uh, what was his name? Um, oh, i forgetting his name. Um, but you know what I mean? And it talks about yeah. like, as long as it's, you know, when we talk about breaking the rules, as long as no one's going to get hurt and it's legal, um, and go, for it. go for it. Um, do it. that's what he said, just, isn't it? Yeah, just do it. I, I, I'm, I'm John, John Ioka, that's it, I think, isn't it? I, 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 yeah. Um, and, he, and he talks about that. And, and again, I think sometimes we are too well-behaved and we do have to challenge stuff, you know, we do have to think different. you know. And I think, I always think, like, Joe, the way me and you um, came to know each other was I was breaking the rules a little bit and challenging things in, in areas, and you was as well, And um, but all for the right reasons and all for the greater good. And, and off that... Um, good things happen I think so I'm a Mm. massive fan of um, Mr. Schwarzenegger Damien, massive fan yeah
2: yeah. Yeah,
0: are meant to be broken
3: yeah Yeah. absolutely (laughs) okay we're there guys we're uh, coming towards the end we're coming to our final closing questions now Um, so Damien is there anything that we didn't ask that we should have done
2: maybe you should have asked me about the time I made eye contact with a whale.
3: Oh Yes, thank you. <laughs> Tell me about that. Thank you.
2: <laughs> so,
3: um,
2: I I touched a little bit on this story with earlier when I, but this was the craziest day of my life. Basically, um, it was day fourteen in the Atlantic. I was um, I was in a. I was basically a storm. Um. You're talking 8, 9, 10-meter waves. Um, I was woken up when um, I was going up the side of a wave. I assume this now, obviously I was asleep, but I was going up the side of a wave and the boat was capsized and I was thrown into the side of the cabin face first and I was walking. First thing I knew about it, when it was when my face smashed against the side of the cabin and then the boat was going over um, 360 degrees. So I'm kind gotcha. of like in nanoseconds trying to figure out what's happening. Uh, why am I upside down? Why is there a load of stuff on top of me? Felt that kind of um, very familiar from rugby, that uh, warm kind of um, stickiness of blood on my face. So it kind of eventually came to me before I kind of the went round and settled back in its position uh, that it should be in. And then it was just a case of like cleaning up my face, stopping the bleeding. Thankfully, the um, cuts weren't too deep. Uh, And then I went out on the deck. And um, four days, five days before that, I'd I'd lost an oar already in a different storm. So I was kind of heart in mouth going, fuck if I've lost another oar here. um, I'm in big, big trouble. So I opened the cabin hatch and I just, all I saw was water. Like the whole boat was covered in water. So it was a bit of a panic moment. Then I was like, You know, is this boat going to sink? What's the story? Uh, I could see the ground anchor and the life raft were hanging over the side. But thankfully, all my oars were still there and my seat was still there um, because if I'd lost either of them, um, I would have been in big, big trouble about getting across, you know, and fulfilling what I wanted to try and uh, do. So uh, I pushed on a bilge pump, which pumps the water off, and I started bucketing the water off myself. And finally, I kind of remedied the whole I rem- remedied the whole deck and I felt kind of a little bit uh, at ease, even though I'm still in a storm now. But like um, I saw I took a second and I sat on the little seat and I was just sitting there kind of almost in shock of what had just happened. The capsize, the head, the water on the deck, not losing anything. And I heard this because you're, you know, you're in survival mode out there, especially in those conditions you're hyper, hyper aware. Like, So if anything is different to, if anything is unusual, if anything is uh, out, you know, out of the ordinary, you're on it like a shot. So I heard this noise and it wasn't the wind. It wasn't the flags fluttering on the boat. It wasn't the waves breaking. It was something different and I was I straight onto it. It was out of the, my right hand corner uh, of my eye. And I just saw a dorsal fin coming towards the boat. And it came right up to the boat and circled the boat like four or five times. And on the fourth rotation of the boat, right side, it stuck its left eye up and looked right fucking at me. (laughs) It made eye contact with me. It was just the most incredible moment ever. Um, And then it swam around again. um, And it swam so close to the boat, like on that next rotation, if I, you know, if I would had the courage or even the wherewithal to stick my hand out, I would have been able to touch it. Um, it was like a an adolescent uh, minky whale. So it wasn't even as big as the boat, but it was, um, I don't know, I just got the impression it was real curious and playful the way it was kind of coming up to the boat. Um, so, yeah, like that was just mind-blowing. I was like, nobody's ever going to believe this story.
3: And what was it? Did you manage it? Was it fearful? Did you enjoy it? Was it, well, um, was it a combination of everything?
2: It was just pure joy and awe um, of the experience, you know. It was just... It was just exhilarating and um, happiness all wrapped up in one thing because I, that was one thing I really wanted to experience out there was almost like, you know, like if I, if you told me you get across but you won't see a whale, you won't see any dolphins, you won't see any wildlife, I'd be like, oh, you know, I really want that. I really, really want to experience nature in its kind of mode. Raw, homely, whatever you want to call it, form. So, so that was just for that to happen and to happen. So, like, like the, I felt like the whale was trying to communicate on some level with me, you know. So, uh, it was very, very special.
3: Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that. I am, I was really intrigued. So, thank you for sharing that lovely story. So, uh, right. yeah. And I, I want to ask more now. I want to ask about pictures, and but I will. I'll, we'll, we'll save it maybe for another time. And um, yeah. Okay. So, have you learned anything from the show, Damien? Has it brought anything for you, sort of being on here and talking with
2: us? Yeah. Like I, to be honest with you, there were some questions there that I was a bit. um you know, the, the answers didn't come to me immediately, you know, what, oh, what am I going to talk about there? So it was really good to get some clarity or get put some thought into those answers and kind of, you know, go back over my um, experiences around those questions. And especially the one I really uh, enjoyed. It wasn't something that's always at the front of my mind, but what uh, advice would you ignore? That was, I, like, I remember this, uh, I remember certain moments and uh, like I talked mm-hmm. about uh, that, you know, that that question brought up that was I, I thought, oh, that's valuable. That's valuable to me right now. So I'm sure it'll be valuable to somebody else. And it, again, it's probably not something you hear talked about particularly often. So it was just, it was, it was nice for it to flag that up for me, you know, and, and to regenerate that, um, that learning and that lesson.
0: Yeah,
3: Brilliant. Brilliant. and the last thing that we've got to say really is, it's um,
0: what is it? What is it that we asked Leon? Now, oh, it's non-negotiable. Definitely non-negotiable for him. Non-negotiable. It's it's and also, I can be a bit cheeky. Like that. We've got, we have got an ocean between us. I do know he's got a boat, and he might be here pretty quick, but we'll still say it anyway.
3: We ask that you'll take some training. It's a twenty-minute training. It's free. It's on www.talksuicide.com co.uk sure. and we're promoting it as far and wide as possible we ask that you share it on on you know sort of your social platforms because what what it does is it helps people recognize and spot the signs of somebody that might be feeling suicidal to be able to speak about suicide and it's a myth that we can't talk to somebody about suicide we need to be open we need to ask that question and um, to allow that person to tell us that yes that's a place that they might be feeling and then to be able to signpost on It takes 20 to 30 minutes, and really it's about watching a video and listening and just playing the few scenarios. So it's nothing difficult. You have a nice cup of coffee and uh, out your new coffee pot and uh, put your feet up and just have a a read.
0: You can even do it from his mobile phone in the Irish Sea. (laughs) 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 he won't be concentrating on his mobile phone (laughs) and I think the main point that we mentioned before uh, um, if you can just really really help us try and share that message um, far and wide because it really is okay to talk and we do need to solve what we believe is the biggest um, challenge on the planet which is people taking their own lives so um, on that note it's been absolutely awesome Um, we definitely will have Damien back on the show Um, but that's going to be Leon checking out, thanks Damien Paul, checking out.
2: Joe, checking out. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, pleasure.